everybody. Welcome to yet another edition of RZ Weekly. Woohoo. Our weekly podcast about religious Zionism, <laughs> modern orthodoxy, and everything in between. My name is Ruben Spalter. I'm here with Harav Johnny Solomon. Let's do it properly. Harav Johnny is an educator, a writer, an editor, and he's the uh, owner, proprietor, and Rebbe of the Virtual Beit Midrash. Schedule the time to talk with him. You won't be sorry. I've done it. It, it really does wonders. I'm here with, hello, Johnny. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? I'm well. You always seem embarrassed when I promote you, and it's like, what, what else are we supposed to do? No, I know. Well, I'm, you know, whatever. I appreciate it. <laughs> it comes out being serious, though. I don't, it's not a lie. Okay, uh, we're here with Harabani Malibravsky. Harabani Malibravsky is the Shanabet Rakezet, Menahelet? Director. Director. Uh, I gave it a Hebrew title, uh, at MMY. She's also a, a trained social worker. Um, a, a speaker. Apparently, she's good. Did you speak in uh, in uh, in Riverdale yet? I did. I spoke in Riverdale and in uh, the uh, Atlantic Beach uh, Jewish community, Jewish Center of Atlantic Beach. Yeah, thank God. Did they mention RZ Weekly? Did they well, mention yes, it when they introduced you? Should know. you? Yes, yes. Um, Jeff Cronish, um, thank you, Jeff, is a listener, a loyal listener, and he actually mentioned our podcast after, at the end of our talk. Yay! Okay. Yes. Um, and uh, if you need Molly's services, I don't know. Hopefully you don't. But if you do, call her. Um, and I am Ruben Spalter. I am actually the coordinator for the Rimonim at Teacher Training Program at the Herzog College of Education. And I'm the founder and director of Kita, a, an online learning platform for schools and for homeschooling. And uh, we're now gearing up for the coming year. So if you're thinking about how to homeschool your child, you know a family that's doing homeschooling, and you want to, uh, and you want to learn more about it, about real uh, learning, real Jewish learning, authentic Jewish learning, reach out to me. Today we're going to talk about the new, uh, the new Jew. Thank God you didn't know that there were new Jews, but we, we, we're going to talk about um, a, a show. It's actually a show, but I think there's more than the show. It's called Hayyudi Hachadash. Yudi Hachadash, the new Jew. Is a is a television series, a mini, like sort of like a docu series. They call it a docu. I can't really call it a documentary. Okay, a, a but put, they call put it together. a documentary. They keep calling They'd it, call a, it documentary. a documentary. Yeah, it's not. Is it? Do you think it's a documentary? No, but that's it's not part a documentary. Of the okay. Anyway, okay. In which pretty famous. I don't really know him at all because I don't really watch Israeli TV. But really famous personality, comedian, TV actor named Guri Alfi runs around the United States meeting new, uh, new, the new Jew, which is a, you know, a way of describing the Jewish community in, in America, in the United, really in the United States, fucking the United States, that you, you didn't really know before. Okay? So you, as Israeli, we didn't see the, you as an Israeli didn't really know before. Just ah, that the Israeli community didn't yeah. know before. So, you know, I think I'm going to do it this way. Molly, if I don't, you mind putting it in the spot. In your mind, mm -hmm. can you describe this series? What is it? <laughs> Just describe it. Okay, and then I can sort of, then we can get to our other questions. Wait, can I describe it from my biased perspective? Uh, that's the one, kind of what I'm hoping for. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, so... No, 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 actually first describe it and then you'll give your bias. All right, I'll try to do some kind of a mix. Um, okay. Okay, the, the um, ostensible um, purpose of the show is exactly what you described, which is to introduce Israelis who are not as familiar with um, American society and American culture and American Judaism to the um, wonderful world, uh, before I, but, but diverse, what did you say? The, the diverse world of American Jewry, um, 
okay, so here's where, okay, I, I will describe it, but I, now is where I'm going to put my caveat. That, I think, is a very wonderful, noble, and important um, principle and concept to do. I think Israeli, Jew, Israeli Jews would do well to become informed about American Jewry. Um, I think that, that there's a lot, of, a lot of value to be gained from, from that exposure. What, what, however. Wait, before you get to however, why? Why? That's a very good question. I think this is where uh, the Absolutely. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. It's a good question. Why? A, to see what, is re- what American Jewry is doing right, and B, perhaps, to see in contrast what Israeli Jewry is doing right and where maybe American Jewry is not doing everything so right. Right? I think what would be valuable would be a, a, um, an a unbiased encounter in which the two worlds meet each other in some way or another. I have no problem if it's Israelis go fly to America and fly around and look at you in different communities um, and assess them from, from, from their perspective and get to know them. I think that, and again, I think that they, there might be a lot to gain. I always say that I think that there's a lot that America has to give to Israel. Um, but I think also that they might recognize some of the things that, 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 that Israelis have as strengths and that perhaps seeing some of the weaknesses of the American Jewish experience um, I think may be valuable, A, just to, because it's always valuable to see strengths and weaknesses, and B, to, to really appreciate their own strengths. And that's why this show bothers me, because the show... Wait, so what, what is it? Okay. So then, what that, it really, that's, what, that's, that's the show what that it, you would like. That's the show that I would like. The show that, that's actually happening is Guri Alfi running around telling everybody that America has created a new Jew, and he's, ne- it's like, he's never seen anything like this before, which is so ironic, because, like, really, like... Conservative and Reform Judaism said the exact same thing in the late 1800s. So, like, I don't know why you're getting all excited right now. Um, and also, I, like, what I kept thinking with this, I'm like, those were both in, in school one year. We, I forgot what we were studying, but it was called The Great Experiment That Failed. And I would say, like, he's so excited about this great experiment that's going on in America. And I'm like, it's a great experiment that's not, I maybe failed is too harsh, uh, you know, I don't want to put the cough, coffin on uh this new Jew experience, but it's not so successful if you're looking at demographics and the future and he even admits it. Okay, but his attitude is like, wow, here in Israel, um, we're Jewish, there are two problems, there are two things that, that, that are different about Israeli Jewry. We are Jews, not out of choice, we're Jews because we're born into it, and American Jews are Jews by choice, and that is so cool and interesting. And B, here, when we actually want to look at religion, we are we are like hidebound by orthodoxy, and there they're doing so much awesome, interesting, and creative stuff with their Judaism. So he ostensibly is going to meet them where they are, but if you look at the show, you see that he that he's going in to it's not a unbiased position, and that's what bothers me about the show. Wait, I want to say one more thing, which is. I don't like the way the show is set up, also because it annoys me. Like it's like Guri Alfi goes to see to see America. If you want to talk about, you take a Mark bunch of Mark Twain visits America. Okay, like, Mark Twain you know, Mela, right? No, what is it? Is it De Tocqueville? Like you know, like uh, goes to see okay, who is the De French Tocqueville, guy? Okay, The Innocence Abroad. Okay, it's true that like you could have a person who's a scholar or who's a thinker, and he gives his view of America, but. This is like, you know, let's go back to our Seth Rogen. Seriously, how much is Guri Alfi's opinion worth? I'm not saying it's worth nothing, but but if, again, if you want to hear like what Israelis think about about the American experience, so take six Israelis or even four Israelis who spent a year in in, in America and let's hear what they have to say. But like, just because Guri Alfi thinks one thing, it's presented as if like, 
here we have, you know, it's ostensibly a documentary. It's not a documentary. It's a biased perspective and it's a wholehearted, like, um, wide-eyed, like, wow, they're creating this new awesome thing in America. And I think it's just skewed and it bothers me. Okay, I'm going to turn to Johnny because he's got a lot to say. I mean, wait, before, well, before I, I, I do, I want to first uh, respond to some of the things that. Yeah, I'm going to ask you to, and I'm going to frame it in a question. Johnny, Molly said just now that it's a biased portrait of America. In order to create a biased portrait of America, you have to have an agenda. I mean, you have to come with a purpose. So, what I, what I wanted you to address is, and then obviously in, in that, you'll respond to Molly's question What is the purpose of the show? Who is its audience? Okay, so I want to just begin by clarifying... And then do you agree that it's biased or not? Do you agree? Okay, right. So let's just start off with Guri Alfie. Again, I, I don't know him that well. What I do know, though, is... Firstly, he li spent a year living in L.A. some years beforehand. So he has actually lived as a Jew and as an Israeli in America, which was really the foundation for him wanting to make this show. And number two, I would say when he visits some of the places and speaks with some of the people, I wouldn't say it's always with his wi eyes wide open... There are plenty reservations said either explicitly or muttered afterwards after uh, some of those encounters. It's not uh, simply a uh, polished version of how everything is amazing. He's trying to be honest, I think, about seeing good, even though for him it's unusual, uh, both from his perspective as a not observant in terms of religion, but still strongly committed in terms of tradition, Israeli, and seeing what that means in, the, in America. So that's just a, a brief, I'd say, clarification. I think that's important. Is there an agenda? I would say, well, you can see it in the first few seconds because this uh, show has been sponsored by organizations uh, which clearly do want to emphasize, strengthen bonds between Israel and America. And I agree entirely with Mali that that itself is something to be applauded. It's sponsored by the Ruderman Foundation, the Maimonides Fund, by Abichai, and by the Geshe Multicultural Phil Fund. So there are stakeholders, and those stakeholders, I wouldn't want to speak for them, but I don't think it takes such a huge leap of uh, reasoning to believe that they wish to be basically a shadchan between Israelis and Americans, but meeting American Jews in their natural habitat. You see, without a show like this, is, um, Americans meet Israelis as tourists, or Israelis meet Americans as tourists. And actually, it is quite rare for an Israeli to say, so this is how they do it there. And when they come here, they talk about these things, but I don't really know that. But now I get to see a glimpse of a world that I may have read about in a newspaper or heard about in a conversation, but wow, that's strange, or that's interesting, or that's admirable, you know, all in, in different ways. So do I think the show has an agenda? Most certainly, probably much more explicit than all three of us can necessarily define because in order to make a show like this, you have to have very, very clear uh, um, uh, ideas about where you want to take it. Wait, so but again, what's that agenda? I'm not clear from you. What do you think the agenda is? Uh, meaning Molly said it's I, I biased. Don't, I don't want to be presumptuous as to think to know what the minds of others are. It's most certainly to be, to, to give a a glimpse of Jews in, their, in America in their natural habitat for Americans, for Israelis either to have appreciation for or, or, or understand how sometimes the American Jewish experience is 
hard for some American Jews as they come to Israel and they find it jarring to take one random example. When they come to the cartel, if that's the shul you daven in, I now understand why it's really hard for you to come to the cartel and you feel being pushed into a way of being that isn't how you worship. If I understand right your your uh, context, it gives me a better appreciation of the flashpoints, which obviously arise on a regular basis in Israel. I mean, a story is told. Wait, wait, you think that that's what it's about? To try to give Israelis a better perspective of where the Americans are coming from and to understand them better? I, I, I certainly think that's part yeah, of it. Yeah, but you don't, I don't think, think that there's more there, that it's also about admiring their new creation? So, so It's called the I, new I Jew, say, Johnny. It's not called, I mean... I, right, I, right, right. So I, I would say, I'd, I'd say I agree with the second point too, but... Uh, and the reason for that is, in the first episode, uh, I would argue that language was used so repeatedly as if, I wouldn't say it was, as if this was uh, a clearly desired aspiration. It's talking about the idea of Jew by choice or not, whereby pretty much all the voices from uh, not just the, from the traditional and non-Orthodox emphasize that in America you're Jew by choice, Whereas towards the end, Ruchi Freya makes it very clear that a Jew is a Jew um, because that's how they're born. And in fact, towards the end, there's, there's a, a clip where each remark is put together, contrasting each other to say, basically, you have two camps here. You have those who think X and you have those who think Y. But it does certainly lead somebody who's always thought Judaism is something that you just are without having to think about it. It does make you wonder... I don't know how Jewish I'd be if I could choose to be not. Okay. Guri Alfie himself, by the way, said when he lived in L.A., he was more observant. Right. Which is a pattern, which is why I, I think it would be much healthier pattern. to talk to Israelis and ask them, not just to kind of like, you know, glorify. And I'm, I agree with Johnny. I over, I'm like, Clearly, you know, this pushes my buttons and I'm overstating it, but there is. Why do you think we picked this topic? <laughs> there is a, definitely a degree of glorification that I think is over overhyped. Um, but I, I agree with you. Like, I think that that's a valid point that Johnny's making. Yeah, Ruby. So I kind of want to respond to what Johnny's saying. Um, Johnny, I, I think that you're not, I, you, say you don't want to presume. I'm like, I'm happy to no, presume. I, I think there is that. I just okay. don't want to put words I, I out think, mouth. like, especially the, the, the Ruderman Foundation, they're very, they're very, they're very, uh, vocal about this idea and, and um, I think that it stems from the fact that there's this great nituk, there's this great separation between the established Israeli community and the established American community, American community. and I, I would agree that that separation, that nituk is damaging, it's destructive it's not, but damaging mostly for the American Jewish community because the more they're distanced from the, the, the Jewish community of Israel, the less likely they are to identify as Jewish in any way at all. I think that there's that, that their agenda. And then they, so they realize that until Israel starts taking American Jewry seriously and giving them a seat at the table, giving them a place to have a voice and to, to be able to, in Israel, to see them as a community that has its own needs, they will continue to be these flash events, the coattails, just a minor one, you know, the pronouncements and you don't count it, et cetera, et cetera, that will continue to alienate, to continue to alienate the American Jewish community. Meaning the audience here, ultimately, I believe, is the American Jewish community because they are going to be the recipient of the largesse of the primary community, which is Israel. Now, if, 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 if my theory is true, which I think it is, 
is the way to do it to do what Guri Alfi did. Meaning, come look at how diverse and wonderful and different and all these amazing things about Judaism in America that you didn't know about. Meaning, if that, is, that, is that the way that you would do it to, to portray that picture? If you're an Israeli watching that, you're saying, whoa, I, how? That's, you know, they have a Korean-American reform rabbi. I think that's amazing. I, you know, I didn't know that. And I, they, they should give her a seat at the table. Do you think that that's the reaction of the, of the average Israeli viewer? Or do you think they're going to say, you know, uh, I'm not so sure I agree with that. Is, is it accomplishing that agenda? So, A, do you agree that I'm correct, that that's, that that's one of the primary goals of the series? And if that was the goal, do you think that's the way to do it? But, Molly, yeah. before I ask you that question, I'll let you answer. I'm going to stop here for our first break. We're actually going to try to break it up into two breaks. Stay with us. Daily Torah study is essential to living a meaningful Jewish life. Whatever your background or level of observance, Torah study each day engages the mind, enriches the soul, connects us to God, and gives our lives direction and meaning. But to be honest, most of us need a framework. As much as we'd love to learn every day, left to our own devices, life inevitably gets in the way. Our good intentions fall by the wayside. Hi. This is Ruvain Spolter, and I invite you to come join me in the free daily learning program you've been looking for. I call it the Mishnah Project. I created the Mishnah Project to teach daily Mishnah over YouTube. Why choose Mishnah for your daily learning? First of all, Mishnah is manageable and concise. You can learn two Mishnayot in about 10 minutes a day. The Mishnah Project is understandable and clear. You'll not only be hearing the Mishnah, but seeing the text and visual aids to help you understand the Mishnah clearly. Finally, the Mishnah Project is comprehensive. Studying just two Mishnayot a day, you'll finish the entire Shas in under six years. To join the Mishnah Project for free, simply go to mishnah.co slash join, where you'll find links to the WhatsApp group, the Telegram group, our YouTube channel, and even our podcast feed. That's mishnah with an H dot co slash join. And start your journey toward completing Shas today. Okay, Molly, I asked okay. a question. Do you yeah. remember no, what it is? I, I definitely think, yeah, I think that, I do think that that's the agenda. I think that's very much part of the agenda. And that's part of what bothers me. Because it, what bothers me is this idea that it's obvious that Israelis have to be convinced that American Jewry has so much to offer and that Israelis aren't appreciating the wonderful things that, that, that America has to offer and that they should kind of unquestionably give them a seat at the table. And that's what I'm saying is that's not honest. What would be more honest it would be these are two different communities with two different perspectives. Can the two of them honestly sit, talk to each other, and see each other's, as I said before, pluses and minuses? To just highlight the pluses and try to kind of like throw magic sparkle dust into the Israelis' eyes um, Magic sparkle dust. I agree with you. I think it's it totally right. It bothers me, A, because it's false, and B, because I think it's damaging to the Israeli society. Because I think that, that, that like, I, I, this is, again, my perspective, but I think Israel's doing a lot of things in a positive and a healthy way, and America's doing things in a lot of not positive and unhealthy ways. So, like, again, and it also smacks of this, like, very old, like, Israeli, like, being enamored, you know, of, like, oh, America, like, hadod me America. And I really feel like that was maybe true in the 40s and 50s, and that wasn't always so healthy even then. But we're in 2021. Those are no, it's no longer we're like the cute teenager that needs to be lectured to by the like 
you know, um, intelligent and wise, older, you know, thoughtful American father. I don't think that's reality anymore. I think America is in a place where like, maybe, I so maybe agree you with that. should I so, sit this down is and like, listen to us. This is the 2021 version of we're doing it right. Yeah. Sit down, young man. Sit down, you little Israelis, you little adolescents. We are no longer adolescents. We are mature adults. And we have, we, and, and you guys um, haven't, you know, like you, maybe, again, maybe you can learn from us a little bit now. Yeah. Johnny. One second. But you're speaking about Americans speaking to Israelis. The way I understood it, and there's this clip, even uh, Grialfi says it when he's having that Friday night dinner uh, in, in, the, in the Midwest. By the way, which I loved. Uh, I thought it was beautiful right. on Friday night. It, he's saying, isn't it crazy that I know nothing and you're Jew by choice and know so much and Israelis come and speak to you patronizingly about Jewish culture. He, he owns that in many ways. He says it goes the other way around. The Israelis often basically speak to Americans as if they... Right, but I'm saying, again, I'm not saying there isn't what for Israelis to learn, and that's, there's a good point, but like, to frame, I think it's not framed as as a conversation between equals. I think it's framed as, you brash Israelis, it's so typical, oh, yes, we Israelis, we always think we know so much, and really, it's you who know so much, oh, let me learn from you. You know what? They don't know so much. Even at that table, and in some of the clips I saw, they're trying to make a bracha on, like, a pizza, and they say, you know, so like, I'm sorry. Mkola Kavod, Guri Alfi knows a little bit more than a lot of the people that he's meeting with. And again, I'm not denigrating a lot of the people that he's meeting with who do know a lot. And that that message, and I agree with you, like the, 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 there is an Israeli um, paternalistic view that comes from a very narrow uh, perspective. And I think it should be a little bit broken. And I think it's, it's helpful for Israelis to, yes, have that. That message is valuable, Johnny. I'm not denigrating that message. Israelis should, they sometimes are a little too brash and too assuming of their own greatness and that they have the monopoly. But I, I, I think that this show turns the, turns the lens too far in the opposite direction. That's right. my feeling. I hear you. Right, basically what it's saying, I mean, the way I understand, and I, I, I think we are all learning from one another and, and trying to get a better sense of, of what this is trying to achieve is if you judge American jury on Israeli standards, you're patronizing to American jury and that's ridiculous. What this show is trying to say is, listen, to be a Jew, to be hold, to even claim your Jewish identity is almost a heroic act. And somebody who does more than that, they go to some kind of synagogue, is something certainly worthy of praise. So anybody who identifies as Jewish and does Jewish things, give them a gold star. Um, even though in your country, Kivyachol, you wouldn't yeah. necessarily give that level of fanfare. I think that's part of the agenda. No, but they don't say that at all. And that's what bothers me so much. It's so dishonest. It really is dishonest because you want to talk about the new Jew. If they were really accurate about the new Jew, you know, what they would do is that Guriafi would sit down with someone whose parents made Yurida 30 years ago. He's married to a non-Jew. They don't keep anything and are not connected at all. That is the majority of the new Jew. The vast majority. It's not honest. And when you talk about the American Jewish community, it throws out numbers about how large it is. And then he says, the largest reformed synagogue has 800 families. And she's like, I love that. 
we have very important people in this show. You know, like, really, did you get that? It was yeah, like, like thank you. That's really impressive. Yeah. Exactly. Or but also, like, the oh, we have the Mohelet, right? As if, and then I said to David, oh, there's the Mohelet. David's like, is it have Mohelet, Emily? There's one the, Mohelet. What I'm saying right. is they present it as if, like, on every street corner, there's like a, 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 a female conservative Mohelet. That's fine and good. The largest or reform synagogue in Manhattan has 800 families. Where the hell are all the families? Like what? How is that even humanely possible when uh, in a in a city of millions of you know of a million Jews? Right. Like and what? It's also like the airbrushing of it, right? When they talk about Jews of color, which is also a very interesting phenomenon. I do think it's. A there are so many more Jews of color in Israel. So many okay, more. Okay, but, but not even community. more than that. They asked one of the well, they asked one of the Jews of color, "Where do you see American Jewry?" <laughs> and he's great. like, "Well, all of like Ashkenazi Jewry is going to die out because we see the numbers, so it's just all going to be Jews of color." And instead of being no, like, no, Molly, that's not what he said. He said there's going to be a Holocaust and they're all going to be, be killed. And the only ones that people are not going to kill are the Jews of color because they are protected Because we can blend back in. Because yes, we exactly. can blend in. But for whatever oh reason, God. it's like they're becoming aware. Like the truth is that the future of like your classic American Jewry is not bright, either because there's going to be a Holocaust or because there's going to be assimilation. So the future is like Jews of color. Instead of like Guri Alfie stepping back and saying, whoa, did you just say that you think that like in however many years, like there, there just isn't going to be American right, Jews? Right, he, he didn't push him he on that. Like, wow, Why do you think so there's going to cool be Holocaust? that there's going to be Jews of color. Like, wow, that's like, he, he focused on the piece that wants to fit this narrative. Well, he also, I, I think also because it's a TV show, remember mm -hmm. like he's also looking, and that's why I asked you, Molly, about, I'm not, I don't want about the show, but it has to be visually interesting. Meaning... Like he's also trying to do a show, and that's I think that's why they picked Uri Alfie. They wanted people to watch it. If they had picked six random Israelis, it would have gone by the wayside, or nobody right. would have watched it. But when they pick a, a comedian, and that's why he's throwing in the clips of Triumph, the Honor Dog. I was very happy that guy is religious. That guy is Spiegel. I didn't know that he's like he's like somewhat Shomer Mitzvot. I was very encouraged by that. Um, but he, he remember it's trying to be a show also. So like it's one thing Jews of color, but he, the, he, the, the hip hop you know, uh, Hispanic woman and, you know, like, of course there's a diversity, but I don't know. Johnny, as a Brit, I, I, was gonna, I, want, I want to ask yeah. you, as a Brit, from as the, a Brit. you're coming from the outside, we, from our American, you know, God bless America, you know, the Star Spangled Banner, we come with a lot of bagging, <laughs> a lot of weight. How, as an outsider, did you watch the show, as an Israeli-British expat? Well, you know, I... I it, I, I've not traveled America almost at all. I think I've mentioned that before. But obviously, I have very, very, very... Anyone looking for Scotland residents when Corona's over? You'd be well, I, I, I was talking with Rabbi Adam Starr in, in Atlanta just last week. But um, <laughs> um, obviously, I spent a lot of time speaking with people, learning from people, understanding virtually a lot of the community. Interestingly, I'll tell you something I've been doing, which I didn't know I wasn't the only one. And I was listening to a... Uh, podcast that the headlines podcast with uh, Rabbi Beryl Wine and he said the same thing I don't know if you caught there was an episode two weeks ago about uh, life in the rabbinate in the modern age and he was saying during uh, um, corona he's been watching reform and conservative Shabbos services because they've been streamed and what I haven't shared with you guys is I've done it quite a few times as well I've been too curious and it's given me a window into communities I don't know and truth be told, and wait, this wait. isn't to do. Yeah, what do you say? What right, did you learn? Related, right? What did you learn? You get you. Well, firstly, obviously, you get a certain sinking feeling in some of those communities, not all, in some. And I think this even Gurialfi himself kind of saying like, having guitar in the front of a of a service is kind of cute for the first few times. What the Manhattan Shul was unique. 
It's important to know. She said my shul is packed. Trust me, because I've been seeing these things. Most shuls are not packed at all. And so there is an airbrushing, certainly. As a Brit, what did I see? Uh, I think you're right in terms of falsely portraying the statistics of America. We know that they are very, very, very different to how they've been seen. What I also know is in England and in South Africa, we have something called, you know, we have in the UK, the United Synagogue, which has meant that the shul you don't go to is an Orthodox shul. And not having that in America has led to tremendously greater diversity, which obviously has some pros, but also a whole variety of failings. Um, fortunately, the OU has made sure that a person who chooses an orthodox lifestyle still can keep kosher wherever they are, which is a remarkable thing. But still, that is, I'd say, a, a seismic difference between the American Jewish marketplace and the British Jewish marketplace. Broadly speaking, I'm well aware that I, I'm, uh, the, I'm, I'm aware of the exceptions to the rule in the UK. Um, and that, therefore, would make, if you were to do this show in the UK, it wouldn't be anywhere as close to uh, as diverse and as broad to the frustration by the way to some Brits um, because you have this institutional um, anchor which has held a lot not all but a lot of practice and customs and, and uh, identifications together Johnny can I um, ask you which which model you think is better if you had to choose a model well I've thought about it when since I spent some time in in the UK recently I've thought about this a lot a lot. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm so curious, Johnny's answer. So my, my, listen, from, uh, there's a whole bunch of perspectives. When you're in, the idea of being part of a network, um, the idea that the membership feels part of a network. See, in America, the rabbis may well be part of the RC, but all the schools are independent, right? There in is the an UK, OU, but the OU is, is, you know, the OU is the Orthodox Union of Synagogues. It's, it's, it's ostensibly, it's not a kashrut organization. It was started as a that. shul unifying, and there was a network of young Israel, but it doesn't mean anything anymore. Almost nothing. I understand that, right. I mean, right. talking but about beyond the Orthodoxy, right? Of saying that's the difference. Right. The difference right. is Right, meaning non-firm people belong, like you said, the, non, the, the shul most people belong to that they never go to is an Orthodox right. shul. Or like, again, like high holidays, said, like they're still in, coming to their Orthodox shul. Right, or in Australia or South Africa, right? The schools are run, even the ones that are 80 or 90% non-Orthodox, there's a certain, as you said, standard of, of behavior that's, you know, standard of what Judaism is that's different than in America where you have these different streams. So I'm just curious. Right. So, I mean, always, I, I have, I, I can't change the fact that I'm, I'm moved and, and inspired in many ways by the British system. And I'll give you one singular place to, that that's best expressed, which is actually the, um, the burial grounds. There is basically a handful of burial grounds. I live 10 minutes away from the largest one in the UK called Bushley. My grandparents are buried there, my great aunts and uncles, my great great grandparents. Um, what, when you have a burial ground for a network which is for the broadest range of Jews, it means not only do, when you celebrate those people are there, but also obviously when you commiserate those Jews are there. It's not just expressive of a micro thin slice of the Jewish people and you know, having had to go to many many funerals many stone settings that w when you have Amcha there in those high points and those low points those serve as glue to affirm the diversity the breadth of the Jewish people if you only have 
shuls and shul services based on certain ideologies, you're constantly, not deliberately, but you're constantly excluding, uh, you know, the broader range of Jews in that country. Interesting. So there's something very, very uh, inspirational. And just for you to know, I often mention Rabbi Sachs. There's a book that you may not have read, but you probably should. Just before he became chief rabbi. Well, he's talking to you. He wrote, I don't think that. <laughs> uh, just, um, just before he became chief rabbi, he wrote a book exploring the philosophy and ideology of a broad church called the United Synagogue, right? And it's called Community of Faith. And it's so worthwhile reading. When you think about inclusivism uh, as, uh, as a synagogical network. So I think that works. But some of the things we're discussing go back to the show because we're not here to philosophize oh. about the yeah, UK. But this, and the no, but this is actually really interesting to me, right? Like what's more successful, the, the diversity of America or a broader network that 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 tr that's at one t at, at one at one place tries to make space for everybody and accept everybody but at the same time has kind of a standardized um, it does not it does not make space for everyone it does not make space for everyone it's very I, much I, a, I don't know it i don't know however, very much should, about how it works i should yeah. add another side of the coin which is although again there is a, a, a established and, and, and actually these growing reform movement and, and there is a Masorti movement in the uk what we see in this show is, and we know, knew this already, if you are traditional uh, but not so much interested, you may go to a conservative school in America and you may well be more involved. You'll feel your winner, you'll feel your succeeder in that framework. If you were to go to a school where everybody else is more religious than you, you may well feel that you are kind of like, eh, you know, I'm just a person who comes and goes and I'm not really part of the crowd. So. I don't want to be too presumptuous or dismissive of the possibility that if you are less observant, you may actually, if you're given the right leadership, the right educational opportunities, you may actually have greater pathways for learning mm -hmm. and celebration when it's more le tamech, right? It's more that according to your choice and flavor at that right uh, juncture in your life. Okay, I want to take it back to the show, not to the show per se, but to, to sort of zoom out from the show. Uh, but before we do that, we will take our second and final break. We'll be back right after this. Shalom, this is Rav Johnny Solomon, and I would like to tell you about the services that I provide to men and women around the world. Firstly, if you have a she'ila, a halachic query or a halachic topic you would like to learn more about as it applies to your life, and you feel that you don't have a Rav with whom you can discuss this question, I offer online halachic consultations. Secondly, if you have some theological or spiritual query, or if you're in need of some chizuk, I provide spiritual coaching. And lastly, if you'd like to learn about a particular Torah topic, I offer one-to-one -one learning. For each of these services, you can book an appointment for a small fee at my website, rabbijohnnysolomon.com, which seamlessly, with the magic of Calendly, then appears in my online calendar and within a few minutes you'll receive a message with a zoom link thank you for listening and i look forward to talking with you and we're back okay uh, what i want to do is i want to share with you a tweet from Tzvika klein Tzvika klein is the only diaspora community reporter in israel he works with mccorby shown so i follow him on twitter and he shared a picture from the launch of what he called, what's called the Minhelet Lechizuk Kishrei Yisraelim Lihudei Hatzfutzot. 
the administration, I guess the, I don't know, whatever you call it, in hell it is, to strengthen ties between Israelis and Jews in the diaspora. And then he puts in parentheses, the Ministry of Diaspora, Maimonides Fund, and Gesher. It's like, uh, I guess those are the people behind it and funding it. And they launched this thing, and I'm, I, I wasn't there, wasn't invited, talking about how important this connection is. And I think that's sort of like zooming out from the show. The show stems from this desire to create that sense of connection. So Molly, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you, A, do you think there should be such a minhelet? And B, if they called you and said, we want you to serve on our board of this minhelet, and you, know, you obviously know a lot about both societies, both communities, to contribute to it, what would you think they should do in order to really create that, that bond between Israelis and, and uh, American Jewish society? Right, so do I think that there should be such a thing? Yes. Um, if I were, if anybody asked me, I think that again, I, I, you know, in terms of programming, what, what to do specifically, that I don't know, you know, that, that that's where I could contribute, but I think what I would say would be the, the approach, the, the gisha, and I think that I, I, I'm not thrilled with the gisha that, the, that they're taking now for the reasons that I enumerated, because I don't think that they're being honest enough about um, the, the, the unfortunate reality of the, the, the problems that the American, the larger American Jewish community is facing. Um, and I don't think that, they're, that they are, because there is such a knee-jerk, anti-dati um, establishment, and anti-religious establishment, orthodox establishment in Israel, I don't think that Israelis are aware enough of what Israel is doing right. Um, right meaning, I, I, I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't only talk about that. I would also talk about Israeli weaknesses and American strengths, but I would also make sure that I added American weaknesses and Israeli strengths. And again, like I, I think, I don't need to enumerate it, but like just I think, look at the trajectories of the two countries, right? Israeli as a country, and we've talked about this a lot, is becoming more traditional as time goes on. Even if it's become, even if the number of formerly Orthodox Jews is staying pretty much the same, the country is becoming more traditional, becoming more connected to its religious roots and values. And again, if you look at the numbers in America, they are becoming less attached to their Judaism. And I think that uh, that's a truth that needs to be part of the picture when you have this conversation. And I'm not sure that either the Israelis or the Americans are, for various reasons, um, either aware or willing to put that on the table. I think that should be on the table. Johnny, I, I just want to comment on that. Do you remember we had a set, an episode some months ago discussing Seth Rogen, and he said, uh, people lied to me about Israel. They gave me this kind of um, airbrush view of Israel, and actually I, I know it's much more uh, you know, uh, imbalanced, and that's why I'm kind of much more dismissive, critical, and dismissive. I, I think we may well find that in, in future years, if people buy into what they're watching here, Israelis will say, the same thing, probably with greater fierceness, saying, uh, you lied to me. This is, you know, don't tell me that uh, everything is uh, rosy as it seems to be in most of the clips, because even though I don't think that Goyalfi is being completely uh, saying everything is wonderful, but I do believe that there is somewhat of a script in, in the in the uh, places he's going, in the conversations he's having. Did you, so, did you notice it's interesting how when he talked to the reform rabbi, she basically implied that if they, would, if they would be allowed to, like the Israelis, they're generally they're basically reformed. They just don't know that they're reformed. 
You know, that there, I, I wonder, is that a widespread belief? Do they he really kind, no, he kind of said it as well. It wasn't truth, just... Right? Meaning that that's what the reform would like to believe, but, you know, you sent us a, a clip from this, and again, it's also anecdotal, but, but I think we've seen more times in this. Israelis often say, I, I want the... Um, can you hear me? Um, I want the Judaism that I reject to be an authentic Judaism. And that happens quite often. It's not so clear. But at the same it. time, they do, many Israelis do identify with liberal values of equality, of gender equality, For of openness. Sure. You know, but sure. they're translating that, that that's their religion. In America, that's their religion. Right. But in Israel, that's their, sect, that's their cultural value, not their religious value. So Americans think, Oh, that's our religion. Most Israelis agree with us. They must share our religion. Whereas Israelis are like, yeah, of course, I I think that. I probably would be happier in a show where men and women could, but but I don't know. It doesn't doesn't feel right. You know, I don't mind. I like. I don't mind standing behind a mechitza. I don't mind not. Also, it was so interesting when Guri Alfi said, which was fascinating. He's like, I I just want to say, after having seen her, that this this woman in the Reform Temple, the Reform whatever the Reform uh, service, he said. I think what she's creating is not Judaism. It's like a new thing. But he didn't necessarily say that that was bad. But he was like, you know, I have to admit to myself that, like, I don't know if what she's doing is Judaism. It might be that I'm into it. Oh, yeah. It might be that, like, I like it and that it's the future and I could be pro it. But I don't think it's Judaism. Like, even he was aware of that. Yeah. To my recollection, he actually said something uh, more critical. He's saying, I, you know, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, or, or unless I'm confusing that location with another. Uh, nevertheless, you know, it, it's, I think it's a very, very interesting window, notwithstanding the clear attempt for it to, again, tell a particular story and highlight certain things. What I would say, by the way, is I think that we, there's a, a number of the people he interviewed had perceptions of Israel, and I'm thinking, well, that's, that's a perception of Israel if you only hang out in very, very particular cities. If you are also only getting a rose-tinted mm. uh, view, I mean, they said, again, we talk about Jews of color. I'm thinking, what are, I, I live five minutes from Kiryat Gat. Are you kidding me? Like, what are you on about? Um, so um, uh, what I'd like to do is actually, maybe we need to have a, a documentary about real Israel. One where Seth Rogen won't say I'll be lied to. One where you get to see the real things, not filmed in Mamila, right? Not filmed... In, in beautiful, the shots of the, beautiful shots of the beautiful shots of the shuk, like, as you smell the smells <laughs> and you whatever. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You know, because, because when when t- I mentioned here, this is looking at Americans and natural habitat. Because until this point, uh, always the Israeli is a tourist, the American is a tourist. You know, we're not tourists. That's you know, the moment you uh, choose to live here, it's a transformative thing. And when you live here for a while, you realize there are places I used to go to as a tourist. It's like I don't remember the last time I was there because. Because I spend more time, you know, waiting in line at a post office, which, by the way, is a very, very powerful window into Israeli society, far, far more than you're going to get in some of the more, uh, you know, premium, pretty roads uh, in Yerushalayim or Tel Aviv. So I think each country needs to be honest about what it is. I think this episode isn't entirely. I would say one fi- final, final thing, because you asked me as a Brit, but I'm also Sephardic. So it's interesting. And I just, I just want to keep both you and Molly. I think we all agree. And I'm thinking about this more and more. Real connections don't happen. Real relationships are not real relationships when they're based on dishonesty, on what I think right. you are and presenting myself in a certain way. And as long as it continues to be dishonest, then each side is going to look at each other and say, oh, you poor little thing. Oh, you know, let me show you how to do it. 
and there would never be a meeting of the meeting of the minds. I have one more question, Pitan. Do you want to say anything? I want to wrap up. So I, I, I did want to say um, we met the community in different stages in their evolution. So there are, there are certain communities you met which are very much taken on board American liberal values, where a lot of things have been cast aside. I don't know if you saw this section on um, uh, um, Terangeles, right? Mm -hmm. On on the Persian Jewish community in Los Angeles. And it, what strikes me, and obviously it kind of also speaks to the, the strong emphasis on family and on, on, on tradition, especially but not exclusively, obviously, in the Sephardic community, is though uh, they've absorbed a tremendous amount of American culture, there is almost a glass ceiling much, much lower, um, or much, much higher, depends how you're looking at it, um, in, in from people, families, and communities like that. As if to say, we'll take things, but when you listen to the young people, uh, I think it lasts a certain amount of time, but you, you heard the young people no, 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 are marrying it's out, the young people, it's gone. What? Correct, correct. But what, what were they still talking about? These young people who technically they're financially, kind of culturally, they could be anything they want. But they speak uh, passionately about Shabbat, passionately about family, passionately about identity. And you realize that won't last forever. I totally get that. I know that. But it's given them 20 years more yeah. of holding on to things yes. that other communities haven't entirely. It and definitely slowed down the clock. Without a doubt, it slowed down the clock. All right, I want to, I want to conclude, and um, we'll start with Johnny, by, by, by noting something Molly said at the beginning that really resonated with me. And Guri Afi said this, and even heard Naftali Bennett say it. They both said, they, they, Bennett talked about it all the time. He's like, I discovered Judaism, my wife discovered Judaism when we spent two years in New York, when I was working in whatever company I was working on. Like, and she's like, you know, Guri obviously said the same thing. He discovered Judaism when he went to Los Angeles. And you often hear the same thing about people who go to Breslau, go to Uman for Rosh Hashanah. If they imagine trying to do Uman on the Kever Rashbi, it just wouldn't work. It just would not work. What is it? Why is it that Israelis so often have to leave Israel in order to discover Judaism? And is there anything you could do about that? We'll start with Johnny. So I'm laughing about it because this brings me back about... Uh, three years on a Friday night dinner I was having the same conversation with Israeli in Romania and, and I was saying basically what are you doing here I, I was there for a Shabbaton I had a great time um, speaking with some youth but there was Israeli who joined us for a meal and, and, and he said because I feel more Jewish I said excuse me what sorry like we're talking about a very very small community he said I was in Israel I didn't do anything but I'm here I'm like the most religious guy like I'm, I'm the one who who leads services um, uh, and it, it strengthened his identity. It, it's an interesting phenomenon. I'll tell you a different way where it's expressed, and Americans wouldn't necessarily but, see that. Well, but Johnny, but Bennett per se, and he said it many times, he was not talking, that's definitely one thing, like when you're forced to confront who you are, and who's are, that's definitely yeah. part of it. Maybe Alfie had it. Bennett said he discovered community. He said he, he discovered Jewish community Right, and there are two different told, things. But one there is religion are communities and one is like community. that, literally in Ranana, where he had his house. Beautiful Chusar's communities in his com in where he lived. So, like, why did he have to go to New York for his wife to be open to go to shul, where he could have literally walked down the block? I I, I can't speak to no, not exactly him. You know what I'm saying? Him and the thousands and thousands of other people like him. That, listen, ultimately, shul communities in the diaspora uh, do place a tremendous amount of strength on the anchor to the shul. And we've said it, I've said it, uh, here in Israel, the street is itself part of the fabric of community, which means the shul 
doesn't have the exclusive ownership of what it means to be part of a community for good and in many ways, I, I suppose, they're parts of for bad. So there are two things. Number one is when you go to Chutz Haaretz, do you identify more with your religion? I think a lot do, not all. Some people go and they escape religion entirely. Where they had to hold on to things here, they can go there and they can blend in and then unfortunately uh, they're gone from the Jewish people. Um, in terms of community, there are systems, you know, we're still experimenting in terms of services and communities here. Even if there are shuls, they're still figuring it out. In, uh, in, the U in the US, you've got shuls, you've got JCCs, you've got uh, relationships between them, you have systems within shuls. I, idea, I think your comment actually, I think your comment is right. I think your comment is right. In, in, here in Israel, Israelis don't feel the need or desire to go because they, they feel it on the street or whatever, on the news or what have you. And when they get to America, then they're willing to go to a shul because something in, something's missing. Aches. Something's right, lacking. Right, because you're saying, I, I'm, I'm not in a right. country which makes me feel whole, so I want to go to a place which makes me feel a little less, uh, you know, with a whole. Molly. Yeah, I'll, uh, I agree with everything you just said. I think that really is what's going on. I think, um, you know, when they, when Israelis, Guri Alpha said it, he's like, I don't have to lift Amets, I don't have to work hard to feel Jewish in Israel. I feel Jewish every minute of every day. And then when you go to Chutzlaretz, you realize that it's missing. I do think also, to be fair, and I think this goes back to your Naftali Bennett point, um, it, it, like, you know, for all that I've been playing that, you know, the one side, let me take the other side for a second, which is, it is definitely true that, that Israeli Jews find um, the identification of Judaism with orthodoxy, and I think this is not holy, but certainly a, it would behoove us as orthodox Jews um, to think about why the, why they find orthodoxy, why they identify it with, you know, the, the, the language that we, they used classically was kfiatati, right? Forcing me to be religious. Mm. And they, and in Israel, they- Molly's they, giving us a preview for preview next, for week's, next uh, week. Exactly, next right? Like, Right? right? It, it's definitely true uh, that like... We, didn't, we need to explain what we're yeah, talking about. Yeah, well, we're here. going to talk about the uh, Rabbanut HaRashid. So it, it's true that like, you know, there are you some tremendous... You've got to leave a mystery. You don't have to tell Okay, fine. We're talking about some kind of, uh, you know, um, <laughs> hegemony that has control over Judaism in Israel, um, or over re religious, you know, Ooh. practice. Okay. Um, but, but... You're definitely but, right. That, but, that negativity... You know, there's a negativity. And like, what can we do about that negativity? And is there more that we can do to make it less negative? Uh, because I think that in in, in Chutzlaretz they feel less threatened. And I think that, yeah. that if we can make it less threatening, that would be good. Okay, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, there's so much more to talk about. We'd love to hear your opinions. Did you watch The New Jew? Uh, we'll, uh, I think in our, when we share it on our, on our Facebook feeds, we'll just share the link to the, first, to the first video if you haven't seen it. I happen to think it's worthwhile to watch just as a cultural, something interesting to see, just to lear learn about how... Now, you won't learn about America. You won't learn about Israel. You learn about how major Jewish organizations want to present America to Israelis. So if th I think that's the way to say it. So if you find that something interesting, you can waste 40 minutes of watching it. I don't know how much more I'm going to watch, how long I'm going to last through the rest of the series. All right, I want to thank Rabbi Mali Bravsky. Rabbi Johnny Solomon. I want to thank my son Patasa through our music. My name is Ruben Spalter. Have a great week, everybody.